Hey, welcome everybody to the Financial Independence Podcast, the podcast where I get inside the brains of some of the best and brightest in the personal finance space to find out how they achieved financial independence. On today's show, Jeff from The Happy Philosopher is joining me, and I met Jeff back at the first camp mustache I attended. We had some great chats there, and it was the first time I actually realized how unique uh, the pursuit of FI is for doctors and lawyers and anyone else who's invested a large amount of money and time into their careers. Uh, I didn't really realize how much identity is tied up in those careers. And obviously, when you make such a huge investment like that, it's hard to just step away after, you know, less than a decade of working. So um, I was excited to get Jeff on because he's a practicing radiologist. And he's come up with a unique solution to this. And it's uh, sort of like a semi retirement, which uh, seems to be working really well for him. So I'm looking forward to diving into some of these unique challenges and some solutions to them. So uh, without further delay, Jeff, thanks for being here. Brandon, thank you. I'm delighted to be here, man. Yeah, no. So it's been a while since we uh, last chatted, actually. So we met back at Camp Mustache, which I believe was in May of 2015. Is that right? Um, was it 2015 or 20? I think it was 2016. Was it? Was it last year? Yeah. Oh, right. Jeez. <laughs> See, I don't even know anymore. Um, so hey, yeah, man, we, when, when you when you retire, you get senile <laughs> and the years just kind of float by. It's, that's right, it's, man. Yeah. I know. I never know what time it is, what day it is. It's great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we, uh, we had a great weekend in the Pacific Northwest and had some good chats uh, over coffee one morning and I got to learn all about your story. So I knew I had to get you on eventually. Um, so I'm finally glad we made this happen. So uh, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we dive into all the stuff I know I want to talk about, maybe just uh, introduce yourself and you know tell a little bit about your backstory and the happy philosopher. My story is pretty typical, I think, for uh, I'm a physician, a radiologist, and I grew up in, in a typical middle class world, nothing particularly crazy about my childhood, did well in school. Um, you know, got good grades and it was just sort of assumed that I would go to college and get some sort of uh, fancy job and, you know, that required a, an advanced degree. And I was interested in, in science and medicine seemed like a, like a pretty good fit for me. And I went for it. Um, went to medical school, which was uh, an awesome experience. I just met a bunch of brilliant people and while learning a skill that, that, that's, you know, quite unique and, 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 and quite awesome. So it, yeah, I went through medical school, had a little bit of a crisis in the latter part of med school when I realized that I just didn't know what kind of doc I wanted to become. Um, eventually settled on radiology and um, my, my wife and I, who uh, we got married in med school, um, met in, in college, went to, to go do our res residency which is a training program after medical school. And then at the, at the tender age of, of 31, I was done with all my training and went into private practice. And private practice was, was challenging. It was, you know, exciting. And, um, you know, I was just living a typical, typical life. And, you know, on paper, um, everything in my life was, was perfect. But, after a few years of, of work, I, I just slowly um, got less and less satisfied with my job. Um, I was noticing that I was uh, becoming more anxious, couldn't really recharge on my weeks off. 
um, all of the exciting things about medicine, um, you know, after a few years, just just no longer were exciting for me anymore. Um, so all of the positive things and all the joy I got out of out of work really went away, and all that was left was was stress and, and anxiety, and just uh, just sort of wanting to to get out. I mean, I felt trapped. Um, and this was 35, 36. Um, and how old are you now? Uh, just to give the audience an idea of, of time scales. 44, 44, okay. 44. So I, I came out, um, around 2005, I think I started, started my job. And so right around 2010 ish, um, is, is sort of when, when I was going through this crisis and, the economic situation around that time. So my my entire investing career was sort of centered from 2000 to 2010. And if if uh, if you pull up a graph of the S and P 500, for instance, between those years, I mean it's quite it's quite depressing. So um, you know I, I I wasn't seeing any progress in in my financial situation. Um, over that over that decade, did you did you have a lot of uh, medical school loans to pay off, or did you come out of med school pretty unscathed? By the end of residency, it was about two hundred thousand mm-hmm. between between the both of us. And I know that sounds like a lot, probably to a lot of your listeners, but really, that's almost nothing in in for for docs. I mean, I, I it's and we can touch on this a little bit later in the interview, but, um, you know, some, some docs now are coming out with half, you know, uh, half a million dollars in, in student loans, um, which is crazy, pretty, pretty crippling. Yeah. But I, you know, I was always, we, we were always fairly frugal and, and good savers. And so when I, when I came out of residency, you know, we, when, when we started work at again, around age 31, um, my net worth was still negative, but it was, um, it was almost zero, <laughs> which, which is a victory yeah. uh, coming out of that. So anyways, uh, you know, here I am kind of going through, going through burnout and I, I really didn't know what, what to do. And the only thing I knew that was certain was that I didn't want to work forever. I didn't, I didn't want to work, you know, into my, into my sixties. So I went online and I, I typed, I started researching early retirement. And of course, the stuff that comes up back then when you type in early retirement or like, you know, the big brokerages saying, hey, you can retire at 55, if, you know, that's early retirement. And I was like, what? I mean, I'm, that's 20 years away. I mean, that's, I, I can't, I can't do that. That's just not feasible. So I typed in, I think I typed in extremely, extremely early retirement. And I mean, you can, you can imagine what popped up in my, in my web browser, right? <laughs> so, uh, early retirement extreme was the, the first hit. And I went on Jacob's site and I, and I think the first article I read was, you know, how to retire in five years. Um, and you know, after I sort of picked up pieces of my brain that, that had flown all over the room and put them back in my head, um, I, I, just started reading everything on that site. And after a few days, I was very impressed and thought it was awesome and also completely unfeasible for my life. (laughs) 
<laughs> so at this time, are you a pretty big spender? Because obviously, you know, you're out of med school, you're a radiologist, you're making pretty big bucks, I would imagine, um, right off the bat, as soon as you qualify, I would imagine. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's, you know, the, the, the financial life of a physician is really interesting and it, it creates some interesting dynamics. So you go from from poverty, which is medical school, um, where you're you're going into debt, you're borrowing all the money that you can and barely scraping by and still going into debt. And then you go into residency where you make you, know, you make a, a, a typical middle class um, average um, salary. So I think now the average salary for a resident is about fifty fifty five thousand, which which is I think about average in, in, in the United States for, uh, for earning. And then you, you live that for a while and then you go into, into practice and it's, you know, multiples of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's sizable. It's a lot of money. And to be honest, I don't know how much I spent those first five years. I don't think it was crazy. Um, I mean, we bought, we bought a nice house we had to furnish the house. So there were, there were some expenses there. Um, but again, we were pretty naturally frugal and just didn't have inclination to spend a lot of money, but, but we, we probably spent a lot more than we're spending now. Um, but you, you know, I mean, I still, we, I, I still kept the car that I was driving and in, in residency and, you know, I didn't go out and, and, and go crazy or anything. Um, so but, it wasn't your spending then that you didn't think that, uh, early retirement in five years wasn't possible and it wasn't your income obviously because you're making more than enough to to be to make that a reality so what was it just the psychological aspect of you know pulling away from work after just uh, such a short career or, or was it the sunk costs of you know you've put so much money and time into this career to then walk away like i imagine there's so many different challenges for doctors which is why i was really excited to get you on that you know maybe some normal careers don't have. Um, so could you talk a little bit about why your initial reaction to early retirement extreme was, well, I, I couldn't do that in five years. Yeah. So, um, I mean, those are great points and, and that you make, and I definitely want to, want to, want to dig into those. Um, but maybe so, but for me, it, it wasn't so much that, um, it, it was that early retirement extreme was, it was so extreme and I couldn't really visualize taking those actionable steps and principles and applying them to my life. It, for me, it, it wasn't an, you know, I was earning plenty of money and I was not spending a lot. For me, it was his lack of knowledge. I didn't really know that I could retire in five years because I, I, I had, I didn't know how much I needed. I, I, right. <laughs> I remember one, one conversation I had with a, a spouse of, of a physician that I know and he said, yeah, you know, you, you, you probably need like $10 million to, to retire. <laughs> right. And, and I, and I was like, holy, you know, I'm, I'm doing the math in my head, $10 million. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. That's, that's, I'm gonna have to work a while for that. But I just sort of accepted that. I didn't realize, I didn't know, um, really about the 4% rule and, you know, all the things that, that most people seeking FI know about. And so, was reading early retirement extreme and I read a guest post by this, this guy, you may have heard of him, Mr. Money Mustache. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
I, you know, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, Mr. Money Mustache. I mean, who are these people? What, what's going on here? But I mean, that that was sort of the the post that uh, it it got me over to Pete's site, and th- this was um, you know back in I don't know. 2011 or 2010 or whenever it was, he had just started. So yeah, it was probably the same, the same guest post that I found out about him from, I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot on his site, but he was very prolific back then and he was posting new material like every few days. So every few days I would read these, you know, earth shattering things, um, ideas from him. And you know, it didn't take me long to realize that that the math part was was really easy um, for a physician. I mean, it, you know, as long as you can get your your spending under control, you know, it's not an earning problem. Um, the the math part was was really easy, but but you're right. The psychological part is a lot bigger deal for physicians in particular, and I think a lot of other high income or or sunk cost sort of professions, like you mentioned. So becoming a physician is, it's a different job than any other that I've had. And my identity sort of merged with being a doctor. So for instance, when I was, was a bus boy or waited tables, or I even did some door to door sales for a while, as soon as I stopped doing that for the day, I, I no longer identified with it. You know, I went back to being Jeff, but phys- becoming a physician is a little bit different. And I imagine a lot of other professions where you never really detach from that identity when you go home from work. So the idea of giving that up early in life is you're giving up a part of your identity and the ego has a really tough time with this. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, physicians retire, if you look at the statistics, they retire later than the average population a few years later than, than people on average. And and that's kind of ridiculous when you think about how much money they make compared yeah, right. to average. But I think a lot of it has to do with, with, they just, they can't detach. Um, it, it's psychologically painful. And if you look, also look at statistics, you know, like, um, job satisfaction. I mean, there's a lot of really dissatisfied docs out there. So I'd like to believe that, that it's a psychological problem, not a money problem or, or a job satisfaction thing. Um, and I don't know that for certain, but, but that's my guess. And, and, you know, know, talking to a lot of docs, um, I mean, I think that's true. I think that's true. It's hard to, to untangle from that. And that, that is probably the biggest challenge because the math is easy for a doc to retire early. And and there's other things to consider. It's pretty much impossible to go back after stepping away. That's something I've heard you say in person and write about. So can you maybe talk about that and how that that's definitely different for a lot of professions. Like I, I have no doubt that I could go back to software development in a few years and, you know, say that I was just working on my own stuff and in the meantime, and maybe, you know, have it spend a few months catching up on the latest technologies, but I could go back, but that's not really the case with your profession. Yeah. And I think that colors a lot of, um, a lot of my views with respect to, to retirement, how much money I need, because you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, 
And it's not impossible to go back into medicine after a long hiatus, but it, for all practical purposes, it's very, very difficult. I mean, you, you, you have to use these skills to sort of stay on top of things. The technology is constantly changing. And to, to be honest, I mean, you have to keep all the licensing and all the uh, continuing education. And there's a lot of sort of, you know, who, who's going to want to hire a physician that's been out of practice for, for 10, 15 years when you can just hire somebody fresh out of training um, who, who, you know, is eager. And uh, there's just there's a lot of questions. Um, and I, I, I think that it would be very hard to get back in to the, the field after being out for so long that, and it's just so darn hard. I mean, it's really, um, intellectually demanding. Um, and I think it's, it's hard to keep that edge, um, after being out for a prolonged period of time. Now, I, I know there's some people out there that have done it, but it, it's, it's hard. I think it's easier to go back in if you, if you love it. You know, if you've always loved it and then you go out for some reason and go back in, it's easy. But if you burned out from it and then you're out 10 years, I mean, the thought of going, going back is, is, you know, nobody, psychologically, I don't think that I would be able to do that. Right. So I, I feel like, um, this is my chance. You know, I, I'm, I'm reimbursed very high amounts of money for trading my time. And this is my chance to, to make that trade at, the most advantageous rate that I can. And then when I'm ready to step away, I don't want to have to worry about that. Right. I think a lot, talking to a lot of physicians, um, sort of people that I've interacted with that have come at me through my blog, um, a lot of them feel the same way. They just have this un underlying unease about leaving medicine too early and, and you know, fear of, of having to sort of scramble later in life. And I think it's justified. I mean, a lot of people um, in the early retirement community, the fire community, don't have those thoughts because it's 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 so easy for them to just slip back in back into work. Okay, so you you stumbled upon early retirement extreme. You realized you weren't happy. Uh, you wanted to make a change. So how how did that? How did you get to the point where um, you actually were comfortable with the idea of walking away at some point much earlier than you probably anticipated before? So that was actually kind of a compressed crisis in my life. So I, I was going through all of the you know, reading and learning and it, it didn't really do anything to improve the, my, my situation at work. And, um, I, I just, after a particularly bad stretch, um, of work and call, I came home one day and, and, you know, I had rough math in my mind and kind of knew what, what I could do. And I just told my wife, I'm like, I, I can't do this long term. I'm, I'm committing to five more years and then, then I'm walking away and I think we'll have enough money, but I just, that's all I can mentally and emotionally commit to right now. How did she take that? And surprisingly well, um, <laughs> you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but, but, but the, the big decisions have been really good. And my, decision of who to choose as a spouse was, was perhaps one of my, one of my best decisions. So nice. <laughs> she, she was, she was very supportive. Um, you know, she kind of understood what I was going through. And I think that, that she, I mean, you know, we both really want each other to be happy. And this was, 
was my path to happiness, or at least w- what I thought. Sure. So now, now she's a doctor too, but she did step away um, to become a full-time mom. Is that right? That's right. So, so had she done that at this point or was she still working as a full-time doctor? Yeah, she was a stay-at-home mom at this point. I mean, that was the irony of this. That she probably would have been the better one to to keep working. <laughs> and I would have but I would have made a really bad stay-at-home dad. I I just she's way better stay-at-home mom than I would be a stay-at-home dad. But yeah, she was she was out of medicine um for a few years at that point. And um I mean that's a, that's a whole nother podcast. About, yeah, I know. Uh, how, how, how was that, that transition decision. in a nutshell? Did she did she handle that okay, or was she going through the same things that you were going through, thinking about stepping away? She was going through a lot of the same things that I was going through, um, but she, you know, she struggled uh, with walking away, potentially not going back to it. Um, but you know, she really wanted to be um, a stay at home mom too, and we when we were both working, we, we just could not find the balance. I mean, our lives were, our lives were not fun. I mean, trying to arrange the childcare, trying to arrange just living life around two call schedules and, and the kids. So ultimately that was a really good decision for, for all of us. And, and I don't think that she's regret, regretted it. So, so you tell her that, you know, you got five years max left. Um, so what happened after that? I realized that although I shortened my, my prison sentence, so to speak, I didn't really make my cell any more comfortable. So I still had five years to go and I was still burned out and I still wasn't happy. So I had to figure something else out and I had to start focusing on being happy now with whatever situation I was in rather than, uh, you know, saying, okay, I'm just going to gut through this and wait five years and then I'll be happy. Right. Right? Just so, so to me, that, this, that decision was, was really, is really what, what pushed me in a different direction, focusing more on, on being happy and uh, rather than delaying it rather than just, just being miserable now. And, and at some point in the future, sort of guessing that I'll be happy because I'm, because I'm financially independent. So, so what steps did you take to, to, to work on that during the five years? Mainly I did a lot of self reflection, self experimentation, reading. Um, I, uh, you know, sort of went down the Mr. Money mustache philosophy of life. I mean, he, he, I mean, you read, you read his blog. He's got a great philosophy on, on doing things for, for joy, mm-hmm. uh, having gratitude, um, using stoicism and negative visualization and meditate, you know, all these sort of tools. Um, I started doing a little bit of meditation, um, experimenting with that, experimenting with diet, um, just doing all kinds of things in my life to, to try to make myself the best version of me, regardless of, of what my, my situation was. And did it work? It did actually. Um, it, it was, I mean, it was amazing. It was, a, it was a complete transformation. Um, you know, a big part of it was just uh, eliminating things from my life that, that, that were, were negatives. I mean, I know you've, you've written about this brand and maybe, maybe one of my favorite 
articles that you wrote about uh, was it happiness through subtraction? Yeah, was that the title? Yeah, that was. yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant uh, article. Oh, thank um, you. And uh, uh, so I started just getting rid of th- unnecessary things in my life, both physical, mental um, obligations. Uh, got rid of news and most of television. And it's oh, just amazing. Only make you happy. <laughs> that's oh, that it's, was, it's that's un- so huge. People, people don't, people don't believe me when I tell them this. I'm like, just get rid of news. And they look at me like, like I told them to, you know, chop off their arm. And I'm like, no, it, just try it. Thirty days, nothing will change in your life except for the better. Oh, it's so there's good. No, yeah. I, I, there's no actionable information that that it's just designed to you know, flick your adrenal glands and get cortisol into your blood and make you anxious. Right. Exactly. It's all outside your control. So don't even stress out about it. So this, so that was a big effective one for you. Um, mm-hmm. was the meditation good? I, I, that's not something I've never tried. Medita- meditation is amazing. Um, I, I wrote a big, uh, a big post on it, uh, on my experiences with it. What's, what's and- the name of that post? I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, I think it's, I think it's something really stupid, like one simple trick to increase your awesomeness. Okay, cool. I'll I'll link it. It was, it it was by far my most ridiculous title ever (laughs) on the blog, but but yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll send that to you. Okay. But it, it, the great thing about meditation is you don't have to be good at it. You don't have to do it consistently. Um, it has lasting effects. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, if it were a, a drug, it, it would be illegal because it's so good. It, there's just no, there's no, there's little to no downside. And it's such a, a small time commitment and it improves sort of the day to day mindfulness without you even really realizing it. I mean, cause I, I'm terrible at it. I'm, I'm an, I'm, I'm not a great meditator at all. So what does it look like for you? Cause I know there's lots of different types. So I do more of a mindfulness meditation. So there's, there's, I, I break it down into two categories, the, the mindfulness or just sort of paying moment to moment attention. And then the more concentrative, um, you know, focus concentration. I, I don't do that. So I, I just do the, the mindfulness where I, I sit quietly and, and usually do guided meditation, um, for 10 minutes, kind of just pay attention to my breath. And then every time I get distracted by a thought, I just kind of observe it and then gently go back to the breath. And it's just this repetitive practice of not getting caught up in your thoughts and just letting them sort of float around like, like clouds and not get too attached to them. Yeah. I've heard lots of really intelligent, successful, smart, happy people talk about it. So it's when when enough people say something, then you you should probably take notice and try it out for yourself. Yeah. I, I I got into it really. Um, I I was listening, I listened to Tim Ferriss, his podcast, which is pretty great. And he made this observation that like all of these high achievers that he interviewed, like, like a ridiculously high percentage, something like 70% of them had some sort of meditative or mindfulness practice. So he realized there was something to it and that's, that's kind of, that was my, my gateway into it. All right. So you're doing all these things and you're becoming happier. Um, are you happier at work or is it just you're happier in general? So you can deal with not enjoying work as, as much. Um, you can, you can deal with that better. Yeah, I think I I did become happier at work in, in spite of nothing changing. I mean, I still had the same job. It was still just as stressful. 
but the, the simple act of of not worrying about things that I couldn't control. So, uh, you know, there's so many things that that are out of our control, and when, when once I stopped worrying about those, I I noticed a big improvement. I could just deal with the the day to day stresses of the job a lot better. It still wasn't optimal. I still didn't want to to do it full time, and I was still looking for ways to uh, to either shorten it or or change it. Um, but it was, but but at least I was in a in a place where I wasn't spiraling down. I wasn't uh, I wasn't getting worse. I was getting better. That's great. So can you uh, talk a little bit about you know what you're where you're at now and sort of how you got there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what you're referring to is I, I now work half time. I work part time, and this was a a job share that I that I engineered. And it was about three years after I was after my initial sort of episode of, of burnout. So I actually worked full time, maybe two. I worked full time two to three years um, after that initial five year declaration of independence. And at that point, I finally engineered this job share and, and, and convinced uh, convinced my group that, that it would be a positive uh, addition. So me and my job share partner are one full-time employee. Yeah. Okay. So we, when we're plugged into the schedule, one of us is working on that day and we just decide which days we're going to work and which, which days the other person is going to work. So it's, it's great. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility. Um, we are, dependent on on one another that's so you know we have to coordinate which days we're working and 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 have to both sort of be on the same page there um but yeah it's fantastic it's it's definitely saved my my career if if i had been full-time and not been able to do this i'm I'm convinced i'd probably not be working right now Right. So, so yeah, cause the five years is pretty much up and you're still going. So what's your, what's your plan from here on out? That's a great question. And <laughs> something that I'm still trying to, trying to figure out. Um, because as I get closer to achieving this sort of, you know, bulletproof FI number, and as you know, there's a lot of deliberation and debate about, you know, when do you actually become financially independent? And I like how, uh, some of the people like JD Roth, I think has, has written about this, the degrees of financial freedom and independence. Yeah. That's a fantastic post. And I will link to that in the show notes because yeah, uh, yeah. that's a, uh, one everyone should read, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. One of, one of his best. I like it a lot, but as I get to this place where, work is becoming more and more optional. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do a few more years yeah. tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's really that up in the air. I've matured my thinking to, to a point now where I'm working for, for money and I'm going to, I'm going to do that as long as I'm satisfied and doing good work in my job. And at some point that, that, exchange will not make sense. You know, I'll just, you know, the marginal utility of, of additional work is not going to make sense just because I don't, I don't need any more money. 
Yeah, you um, have a great post on that, which I'll link to as well, um, where you talk about yeah how money gets less valuable as you get older and time gets a lot more valuable as you get older because you have less time left. So each second is more valuable. Um, so I will link to that cause that's a really yeah. good article as well. And, and stacked upon that, you know, each additional dollar of spending you stack on the top of your top line spending, you're going to get less marginal return on the happiness. So you've got, you have like three things working against you as you, as you keep working later into your life. So I end all my interviews with, you know, asking what's one piece of device you would give to somebody on the path to financial independence. But I'm going to ask if you could maybe give two pieces of, of advice, one for, you know, someone in a job similar to yourself that has, you know, unique struggles that we touched upon on this interview. Uh, but then also you can, you can give one, one general piece of advice to everyone else out there. Yeah. So I guess my one piece of advice to a physician or somebody in my uh, situation is to think about separating your identity as a physician from who you are as a person and do your best to, to, to keep boundaries between those, those two, those two things. Because you can really become unhappy fast in, in medicine and dissatisfied. And if, if, you, if your identity is that of a physician and it's so intertwined, when you fail at medicine or you fail to be happy, it, you become the failure. And it can be really emotionally um, destructive. And physicians have a pretty high rate of depression and suicide compared to um, the average population. So it's, you know, it's, it's just important to, to be aware of these things and to get help, um, you know, if you need it. So, so separating yourself from separating your identity from your job, that seems like it's easier said than done. Is there any sort of specifics that you could give to help someone do that? Because I'm not exactly sure where I would start with that if I was, you know, working all the time and just totally consumed by the job. Trying to create boundaries, um, like when, you know, when you come home, try to create some sort of ritual, maybe to to leave your work at work and focus on on things at home that are that are important to you. Learn to say no to to obligations that suck all your energy because medicine will, I mean, we'll take everything. It'll take everything from you and more if you let it, it's never, never satisfied. There's always more, more to be done. Um, but I, I think just knowing yourself and deeply reflecting on these things and being aware of them is, is a step in the right direction. Excellent. So, so now you're a general piece of advice to anyone out there that's, you know, pursuing financial independence. Yeah, I, I think my, my one piece of advice is to not focus on financial independence, but instead to focus on happiness. When I started down this path, I used to think that freedom, or more specifically financial independence, leads to happiness. And I think it can, but I think it's reversed. I think happiness leads to freedom. And the reason I know this is because I know a lot of people that are financially independent that are 100% miserable. I mean, they're, they're lonely, they're anxious, they're fearful, but they're free. And it, 
financial independence is not the end goal. Happiness is the end goal. So we need to always keep that in mind. You just need to internalize that message. Happiness leads to, to freedom. And to be honest, it's not that expensive um, to become happy. I mean, you can cultivate happiness in your life with really simple things that I write about, um, like gratitude, uh, getting rid of negatives from your life, decluttering all the, the physical things you don't need and the mental baggage and obligations. Like I said, stop watching news. <laughs> you know, just walk, meditate. Um, you know, those, those things don't cost anything, but they'll make you happy. And happiness is freedom. And you have to practice. It's a skill. Happiness is definitely a skill. It's not something that we just blunder into for the most part. Well, I completely agree. And that's, uh, that's fantastic advice and a great way to end the interview. So Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And, uh, yeah, if anybody's interested, head over to the happy philosopher.com and you can get in touch with them there. So Jeff, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Hey, keep doing uh, great work, man. Thanks very much. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Alrighty. Bye. Finance.